0: إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يُضْلِلْ فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد Today then we're on the statement of Imam al-Tahawi rahimahullah ta'ala when he said, لِلْمُحْسِنِينَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنْ يَعْفُوَ عَنْهُمْ وَيُدْخِلَهُمُ الْجَنَّةَ بِرَحْمَتِهِ وَلَا نَأْمَنُ عَلِيهِمْ وَلَا نَشْهَدُ لَهُمْ بِالْجَنَّةِ وَنَسْتَغْفِرُ لِمُسِيئِهِمْ وَنَخَافُ عَلِيهِمْ وَلَا نُق He says, we hope for the muhsineen, the righteous, the good doers, the pious, from the believers, that Allah forgives them and enters them into paradise by His mercy. But we do not have any feeling of security for the believers. And we do not testify to anybody being from the people of paradise. But we seek forgiveness for those who have done wrong from amongst them. And we fear upon them. But we do not cause them to despair. In this section, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah Ta'ala is carrying on after having previously spoken about the fact that we don't declare Muslims to be kuffar simply because of sins that they may have committed. (coughs) That was the methodology of the khawarij. The khawarij, a dangerous sect who make the blood of the Muslims halal to transgress against them. They fought against Ali ibn Abi Talib. They even declared Ali ibn Abi Talib and Uthman ibn Affan, etc., as kuffar, the khawarij. Those types of individuals, it is their methodology and their belief that you can declare Muslims as kuffar because of sins they've committed, and that evil methodology has persisted to our time now, and there are many groups and factions of people out there, who follow this deviated methodology of the khawarij, believing it permissible to rebel and revolt and cause chaos and turmoil in the lands, make it permissible to rob and loot and kill, and they take the lives of innocent people, men, women, and children, Muslim, non-Muslim, all alike. That is the way of the khawarij, making the blood of the people halal, when it is not halal for them. The takfiriyun the khawarij, they exist to our time now. Al-Imam Al-Tahawi had spoken about that topic in the previous section. We do not have this deviated aqidah whereby we start declaring Muslims as kuffar, start declaring the rulers as kuffar, and that we need to go and rebel and revolt against them. All of their actions, they cause chaos and fitna and corruption. And that is why in many parts of the world today, it is the evil methodology of the khawarij that has caused so much corruption. That's why the scholars, they say, many of the areas of the world now where people are confused (coughs) into thinking that what is going on is Islamic, then indeed it is not Islamic. So for example, what is going on in areas like Syria and all of the chaos that is going on there, Of course, the ones who are oppressed and wronged, we make dua for them, and we aid them in whatever way we can, through the proper and legitimate means. But as for the people there fighting here and fighting there, the Islamic State as they call themselves, these people are upon the methodology of the khawarik. They are upon the methodology of those extreme ones, deviated away from the religion, fighting against each other, killing Muslims. That is not jihad, and nobody should be fooled into thinking that it is. They are upon the way of the khawarij. And just like in many other places, where the turmoil is occurring in the Muslim lands, they are fighting each other, the different tribes, the different factions. It is all corruption that is going on, and that is why the Salafi scholars have mentioned Do not get yourselves involved in those affairs. Do not think you are going to go out there and fight. Haram, not permissible for you to do that. That is not permissible for you to get involved in, and for you to aid. They are not people of the sunnah. These individuals are opposing the sunnah. They are spilling the blood of the Muslims, the likes of Islamic State and those similar to them. So, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi had spoken about this in the previous section. We do not declare the blood of the people of the Muslims halal to take. We do not oppress or transgress against anyone, Muslim or (coughs) non-Muslim. And then he goes on to this section now, talking about the believers and the, the righteous and the people of iman, that we hope for them, that Allah will forgive them and enter them into paradise, the righteous and the good people and the believers that Allah will forgive them and enter them into paradise by His mercy. But we cannot feel safe and guarantee anybody paradise. We can't say somebody was very righteous, he's definitely going to be in paradise. We can't testify like that for people. The only ones we can make those kinds of testifications for are the ones whom the Prophet ﷺ told us are in paradise. (coughs) There are certain people that the Prophet ﷺ named and told us they are in paradise. So for those we can say yes, but anybody besides those specific named ones by the Prophet ﷺ, then we can't say guaranteed he's in paradise, he's in paradise. So that's what he says here, you can't say that with guarantee for anybody. But we hope for all of the good believers, the righteous, the people of Iman and Tawheed, that Allah will forgive them and enter them into paradise. And we seek forgiveness for the ones who are not pious, the ones who may have been upon error and wrong. And we don't cause anybody to despair. We don't say to anybody, you've committed so many sins and so many wrongs, there's no hope for you left. That is not the way of Ahl-Sunnah. Ahl Sunnah are always balanced between hope and fear. That is what he's really talking about in these sections. Ahl Sunnah are always balanced between hope and fear. <coughs> the Khawarij were not. They were extreme on fear. Anybody committing a sin, doing a major sin, hellfire forever finished. Too much fear. Then you have the other side of the people, the murji'ah, with too much hope. Definitely you're a believer, you'll be forgiven, you'll be in paradise, you're guaranteed. That's too much. Ahlul Sunnah always balanced. We fear for our sins and our wrongs and that we may be punished for it. But we have hope in Allah always for His mercy and that we may be entered into paradise. Always balanced between the two. Not going to an extreme on one or an extreme on the other al-Izz al-Hanafi says رحمه الله وعلى المؤمن أن يعتقد هذا الذي قاله الشيخ رحمه الله في حق نفسه وفي حق غيره قالت على أولئك الذين يدعون يبتغون إلى ربهم الوسيلة أيهم أقرب ويرجون رحمته ويخافون عذابه إن عذاب ربك كان محذورا. it is mentioned in the Quran Allah says those whom they are calling upon, people, they call upon these awliya, they call upon the prophets, they call upon the angels. Allah says, those whom these people are calling upon, those prophets and awliya and angels, etc., they themselves, ila are seeking a means of closeness to Allah. They themselves are seeking a means of closeness to Allah. So how are you trying to use them to get closer to Allah? They are looking for themselves a means to get close to Allah. What is that means? Obedience and worship. They themselves, it says in the ayah, يَخَافُونَ <coughs> <coughs> They themselves hope for the mercy of Allah, and they fear the punishment of Allah. They are creation of Allah, the prophets and the messengers and the righteous and the pious. They themselves are hoping for the mercy of Allah, and they fear the punishment of Allah. So you cannot call upon them, hoping they will help you. They are looking for themselves in their obedience and righteousness and the mercy of Allah. So, just like that, all of the believers, we hope for them the righteousness and the goodness, but it is upon the believers to always recognize both sides. That when you commit sins, Allah is Shadidul Iqab. He is the most severe in punishment. Allah is the most severe in punishment. So when you commit sins, you remember that, And you remember Allah is Maliki Yawmiddin The one who is the king And in ownership of that day of judgment He is the one who will hold your accountability And everything you've done is written and recorded So you remember those things When you do wrong and you sin You remember the severe punishment of Allah And the fire and its heat But at the same time If you've done wrong, you remember that Allah is the merciful. So you have hope, and you repent, and you seek forgiveness. And you hope for the mercy of Allah that you'll be forgiven for those sins that you've done. And you hope by the mercy of Allah you'll be entered into paradise. So you have that balance. You don't become like some people. They've done wrong, they've spent their life in wrong. And so now all of a sudden it goes heavy on that side of fear and they believe that's it, they're done. They are going to be in the hellfire, they're going to be punished, there's no way back for them. That is from the whisperings of the shaitan. A person ends up believing there's no way back for me, I've done so much wrong, I've done so much sin, so much evil, so much corruption, so many bad things, there's no way back for me. That is from the whisperings of the shaitan upon a person. There is always a way back. The door for repentance is open. Up until you die. On the other side, some people go to the other extreme. No matter what sins they are doing, what wrongs they are doing. This inshaAllah, Allah is the merciful. I pray at least, I do this, I do that. Uh, I give charity. I'll be forgiven. InshaAllah it'll be good. I'll be in paradise. Allah will forgive. Allah is the merciful. Allah is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. The oft-forgiving. forgiving so no matter what sins they do and what wrongs they do, they have this exaggerated hope that inshallah it will be okay, Allah will forgive. That is too much exaggeration on that side. Don't you forget that you may be punished for your sins, and you may be cast into the fire for your sins. So a person doesn't exaggerate with his hope, Allah is merciful, he'll forgive. But at the same time you don't exaggerate in fear, that's it, I'm done too much, Allah will punish me. Always balanced. Yes, you may be punished and you fear that. But at the same time, you have hope that Allah will give you His mercy and forgive you. So you always pray. No matter what sin you've done, you return back to Allah in repentance. The Prophet ﷺ used to seek forgiveness every day. In some narrations it mentions 70 times a day, 100 times a day. In some of the narrations, the Sahaba, they said, in one gathering, in one gathering, we would note that the Prophet ﷺ would seek forgiveness, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, more than a hundred times. A hundred times in just one gathering. On the night, in the night, the Prophet ﷺ used to pray so long, the night prayer, he used to pray so long that his feet would become swollen and blistered from standing up. So Aisha رضي الله عنها, she said to him, غَفَرَ اللَّهُ لَكَ مَا تَقَدَّمَ وَمَا تَأَخَّرَ That Allah has forgiven you your past and future sins. So why pray this long? Feet become swollen and blistered. Allah has forgiven your sins past and future. Why pray this much? So he said, the Prophet said, أَفَلَا أَكُونُ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا أَحِبُّ أَن أَكُونَ عَبْدًا شَكُورًا That I love to be a grateful servant to Allah. I want to be a grateful servant to Allah, thankful to Allah for all of the blessings Allah has placed upon him. So a person always has that balance between the two. In the Qur'an, Allah gives us encouragement and uh, uh, commands us with that. So Allah says, laha sabiqun." Those people who are eager, they are eager to go towards the good and to do the good. And they are the foremost, they're at the front of the queue, to do those good deeds and those good actions and to do the righteousness. Also, it is mentioned in some of the narrations that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that يَبْنَةَ الصِّدِّيقُ لَكِنَّهُ الرَّجُلُ يَصُومُ وَيَصَلِّ وَيَتَصَدَّقُ وَيَخَافُ أَلَّا يُقْبَلْ minhu and this is the way of the Salaf. They used to do their righteous actions, they used to do their obedience, but they didn't used to become deceived with themselves, thinking, look how much worship I've done, look how much obedience I've done, I've done no sins. They didn't used to become deceived thinking, that's it, okay, I'm good, I'm safe now. I'll be in paradise. Never. They used to do all of those actions and the obedience and the worship, but they always had a fear Will all of those actions be accepted? Did I genuinely do them upon sincerity? Did I do all of those actions purely with sincerity to Allah? Will they be accepted? They don't know that yet. You do your actions, you do your obedience. Have you done them properly, purely, sincerely? Will they be accepted and written in your good deeds? That is not for you. (coughs) That is not for you to know. So it's mentioned about some of the salaf even though all of the deeds they used to do, if it was said to him, you have got one foot in paradise, or one foot in hellfire right now, where do you think you are? Despite all of the righteousness they used to do, and barely any sins or anything, even if they sinned, they would repent. They would say, Allah alam, I don't know, maybe I'm one of the people right now with one foot in hellfire, maybe I could be on that side, even though all of the good they used to do, And nowadays people, they think they're safe. They think they're safe. They pray their prayers bits and bobs here and there. They think they're safe. That's it. It's paradise. So, a person needs to remember there are two sides to it. And just because you're doing your actions, that doesn't mean you should think you're safe now. Rather, you always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to maintain for you that path of righteousness. And that is exactly... What the Prophet ﷺ used to do—that he used to make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa taala, asking Allah to keep him firm upon the pathway of guidance, ya mukallib al qulub thabbit qalbi ala dinik. When he used to make the du'a, Oh Allah, the One who changes the hearts of the people, keep my heart firm upon your religion. Keep my heart firm upon the pathway to guidance. Because a person doesn't know what may happen to his heart. He may be upon guidance and then one day something happens and he falls away. Stops coming, stops praying. You don't know what's going to happen. You may stop all of a sudden and you don't know. So a person always makes dua asking Allah to keep his heart firm upon the right way. (coughs) Similarly Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَا الَّذِينَ أَصْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَقُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذَّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُمْ هُوَ الْغَفُورِ الرَّحِيمِ Say, O oh my servants, the ones who have transgressed against themselves. Say, O oh my servants, the ones who have transgressed against themselves. Do not lose hope. In the mercy of Allah. Indeed Allah forgives all of the sins. He is the oft forgiving and the oft merciful. (coughs) This is to encourage the servants. That even if we make mistakes. And certainly we do make mistakes. That we must repent. We repent. And we return back to Allah in seeking forgiveness. Because Allah is telling us, even if you've oppressed yourself, don't lose hope. Return back to Allah and repent. Allah will forgive. Because we know all sins can be forgiven. Even the greatest sin, shirk. If somebody committed shirk, the greatest sin, but then they repent sincerely, it will be forgiven. A person who lives all of his life upon shirk, worshipping and bowing and prostrating to others besides Allah but then he repents and accepts Islam will that be accepted absolutely absolutely if he's sincere and he rejects all of that shirk now and accepts Islam even all of that shirk he did will now be wiped out al islam yajubbu ma qablahu tajubbu ma islam wipes out that which came before it tawbah wipes out that which came before it and that's why in a narration as well, the Prophet said, أَتْبِعِ bil Follow up a bad deed with a good deed. If you end up doing some bad deed, repent and go do some good deeds. Because that good deed will wipe out that bad deed you did. So a person is in constant uh, return to Allah. <coughs> And that's why as well, uh, Ibn Al Izz Al-Hanafi he mentions here the importance of regular istighfar, to regularly ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness, and to not become negligent of that. Thirdly, he mentions the need to do a lot of good deeds regularly. Allah says in the Qur'an, al Hasanati Yudhibna Sayyiat The good deeds, they wipe away the bad deeds. Do lots of good. So even if you end up in some bad and some whisperings of the shaitan, insha'Allah ta'ala, you seek forgiveness from that and your good deeds and everything covers and wipes out those evils. So a lot of good deeds and righteousness is something that benefits a servant greatly. And those good deeds, they wipe out the bad deeds. Also, if a person does end up experiencing some difficulty in this world, then you should remember that one of the benefits of that, is that difficulties of this world, they wipe out some of your sins. If you experience some difficulty in this world, it could be a cause to wipe out some of your bad. And that's mentioned in a narration, (coughs) مَا يُصِيبُ الْمُؤْمِنِ مِنْ وَصْبٍ وَلَا نَصِبٍ وَلَا غَمْ وَلَا هَمْ وَلَا حُزْنٍ حَتَّى الشَّوْكَةُ يِشَاكُهَا إِلَّا كُفِّرَ بِهَا مِنْ خطايا. <coughs> doesn't experience any type of harm or any type of grief or sadness, even getting pricked by a thorn. Except that it will expiate Wipe out some of your bad deeds The harms that you experience They may be an expiation Wiping out of some of the bad deeds that you've done And so In this section Al-Imam Al-Tahawi wants to Emphasize That it's important for a person To remember the balance between fear and hope remember to repent and seek forgiveness from the wrongs that you've done. He also highlights the importance of regularly making du'a. But not to become negligent in du'a. Don't only make du'a when you have some need and that's it. Generally be making du'a regularly, asking Allah for goodness and to take away the badness. Then, after that, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi then says, well وَالْإِيَاسِ Or in fact, before we move on to that, there was the section where he had said, we cannot testify to anybody being from the people of paradise. We cannot do that, and the only times we can do that are when the Prophet ﷺ himself has told us and testified that such and such is in paradise. So examples of that would be like Bilal رضي الله عنه also Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr Siddiq and that goes in the category of ten. the ten there's a, 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 the famous ten العاشرة المبشرين بالجنة the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise other examples would be like عكاشة Akasha when it was mentioned, Sabaqaka biha Akasha. He was given the glad tidings of paradise. And there are other examples too. There are specific names that the Prophet mentioned, they are from the people of paradise. So those people we can say, definitely from the people of paradise. Other believers, <coughs> you can't testify, definitely <coughs> such and such is from the people of paradise. Such and such is guaranteed paradise. You can't say that. It is not the way of Ahl-Sunnah to guarantee people paradise. We can't make that judgment. All we say is that may Allah have mercy upon that person and we hope that he will be from the people of paradise and Allah will enter him into paradise. But we cannot guarantee he's paradise, he's paradise. Some of the people of innovation, they begin to do that. They say, this Imam, he was such a great Imam, definitely paradise. You are not the one holding the accountability. You are not the one making the judgment. That will be on the day of judgment. So we can't start saying he was a great wali from the awliya, definitely paradise. You can't say that. You say, yes, he was a great pious man, insha'Allah ta'ala, Allah will have mercy upon him and enter him into paradise. But you can't start giving out labels, yes, paradise, or no, hellfire. You can't say that about the Muslims. That is from the judgment that will occur on the day of judgment. (coughs) Then Al-Imam Al-Tahawi goes on to say, That having too much hope, or having too much uh, fear and loss and losing hope, going to those extremes that we've just said now you shouldn't go to, if you end up going to those extremes, they may end up being a cause of you exiting from Islam. You may go so far into an extreme that you are exited from the fold of Islam and from the path of truth. <coughs> What's the level of fear that you should have? Not the level of the khawarij where you start saying, that's it, everybody's a kafir, hellfire forever. But the level, this is the criteria for the level of fear you should have. The level whereby you have enough fear that prevents you from doing sins. If you're carrying on doing sins, it means you don't understand the reality of the fear you need to have of the punishment of Allah and the hellfire. If you did, you wouldn't be doing those sins. So you should have the level of fear that is sufficient to prevent you from doing sins. At the same time on the other side, on the other side, you should have enough hope in Allah, hope to the extent that you still do obedience and worship hoping for the reward from Allah if you end up with so much hope in the mercy of Allah that you become slack in your worship thinking it's okay Allah will forgive it means you have gone exaggerated in your hope (coughs) if you start to become slack in your obedience and worship thinking insha'Allah Allah will forgive I'm okay generally I don't do too much Allah will forgive then you've gone too far in your hope your level of hope should be at the level whereby it still allows you and you still do your worship and obedience hoping for the reward from Allah. But if you go beyond that, then you've now ended up becoming slack in your worship and obedience just in hope and you've exaggerated. So Imam uh, 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 al-Tahawi, he mentions that point here and uh, Imam Ibn al-Izz al-Hanafi Highlights that this is the level of fear and the level of hope that you should have. It's mentioned, for example, in the Quran A person who is standing in the prayer and in prostration in the night. He's doing all of that. But he fears what may occur in the hereafter. And he hopes for the mercy of Allah. That is the believer balanced. You do your worship and you do your obedience. Hoping for the reward from Allah and mercy of Allah and entry into paradise. But at the same time recognizing and fearing the consequences of your shortcomings and your sins of hellfire. Always balanced between the two. So that's why it's a great mistake why many people out there, they don't do obedience, they don't do their worship, they don't do what they need to do, and then they turn around and say, Al-Imanu huna Iman is here though, they say, look I have Iman, I'm a Muslim, I believe in Allah, I do all of that, okay I don't do all of my worship, I don't do my prayers, I don't do this, but Iman is here. That statement of theirs indicates they've gone too far on the side of hope. hope. You can't just say, but Iman is here. I'm a believer. I believe everything. Shahada la ilaha illallah, etc. Iman is here. I know I may not be doing everything. I know I may miss some prayers, etc. But Iman is here. That is false. If Iman was really there, you'd be doing all of your worship and obedience. If Iman was really there you'd be doing all of your worship and obedience. The fact that you're not, shows that actually your Iman isn't all there. If you're missing prayers here and there, it shows your Iman isn't all there. If it was as you're claiming, you'd be praying all your prayers, you'd be doing all your worship. So anybody who tries to give that type of thing, but look, I'm a believer, Iman is here. I know I may have shortcomings, I don't do this, I don't pray, I don't do what, but Iman is here. You say, no, it's not. It's there, but it's very weak. A very weak amount. If it was there properly as you're claiming, then you should be praying now, you should be doing this, you should going to mosque. So, <coughs> a person, a person got, <coughs> I can't claim that. Anybody who claims that type of thing, you should say to him, fear Allah. You obviously have only a tiny amount of iman then that you're claiming is there. There's only a tiny amount there. You're missing your praise, you're missing this, you're missing that. You're doing this sin, you're doing that sin. You've obviously only got a tiny amount then. Your Iman is weak, it's down. Fear Allah, you may be punished in the hellfire for all of these wrongs that you're doing. Don't think just because you have that tiny amount of Iman, you're safe now. You will be forgiven. Muslims will enter the hellfire for sins that they've done. You may be entered into the hellfire. So fear Allah, don't sit there saying, yes, it's okay, I have Iman. That was the way of the murji'ah. The murji'ah, they are the ones who say, look, as long as you say, la ilaha illallah, you're a mu'min. Safe, it's okay, you'll be in paradise. But that's not necessarily like that. La ilaha illallah requires obedience and worship with it. Not just to say la ilaha illallah and never pray, never do anything. That type of person may well be entered into the hellfire, punished in the hellfire. It's mentioned in the sunnah, how they'll be dragged out afterwards and they'll be burnt like charcoals. The believers, burnt in the fire like charcoals then they'll be dipped into the river and they come clean again and then they are entered into paradise. So you may well be entered into that hellfire. And when a person considers the example of the hellfire, it's not like you can say, well, in the end, I'll go to paradise. That tiny amount of time in the hellfire will be of the most severe punishment. Some of the scholars, they say, if you imagine now, just a matchstick, a match. A match. Or a lighter. Or a candle. Tiny flame. Lick your fingers and you can put it out with your fingers. That's how small and weak that flame is. Blow it and it's gone. Put your fingers on the candle or the lighter or the matchstick and it's gone. But that tiny weak flame, if you were to put it under your face, a matchstick, a lighter, a candle, that tiny flame that you could put out with your fingers... Index finger, thumb, you put the flame out. But if you put that flame under your face, how long are you going to last? That matchstick, that tiny candle, those small toy candle candles. Those ones, even that, you put it under your face, you put it under your eye. You're not going to last not even one second. That tiny flame into your eye, you're not going to stay there for a second. Next to your cheek, you're not going to stay there for a second. And that's the tiny flame that you can just do with your fingers and it's out you wouldn't be able to put it onto your face next to you for more than a second. A second, two seconds, you'd have to move away, it will burn through you. That tiny flame. So what therefore of the hellfire that is 70 times hotter than the hottest flame of this world? When you consider like the lava that comes out of volcanoes and magma and those things, the hottest types of fires on this earth. If you imagine that now, just the fires of this earth, the volcano, the magma and the lava that comes out, If you were dipped in there for a few seconds, you'd be down to bone. That's the fire of this earth. So what about the fire of the hellfire 70 times hotter? It's mentioned about the hellfire that a rock was thrown into it. And then one day the companions heard a thud. They asked the Prophet what's that? This thud that they heard. So the Prophet sallam told them that is a rock that was thrown into the hellfire some narration 70 years ago thrown into the hellfire 70 years ago and only now it hit the bottom falling for years and years and years until it got to the bottom it's mentioned about the hellfire when it's dragged on that day how many will be dragging it All of those angels, millions of angels, ropes and angels dragging that hellfire. <coughs> so a person cannot be slack and think that's it, I say, la ilaha illallah, i I'll be in paradise in the end. That small amount of time and it will destroy a person to the limit of pain. That's why they say in a narration in Sahih Muslim, if a person was the most luxurious in this world, You had every luxury you can think of, billionaire lifestyle. All of the mansions and the the yachts and the houses and everything, luxury in this world. You lived a life of luxury, billionaire lifestyle all your life. It's mentioned in the hadith. That type of person, if he's dipped into the fire, not even thrown in, just dipped in and out of the hellfire. Dipped in and out again, straight out. From that one dipping, not even thrown in and staying there, just dipped in and out again from that dipping, how much pain he experiences, it mentions in the hadith, that one dipping, that tiny dipping, and the pain that it causes, just being dipped in, he would forget the whole lifetime of luxuries he had on this earth. Imagine 50, 60, 70 years, living like a billionaire, all of the luxuries you lived for 60, 70 years whole lifetime of relaxing and holidays and, and your private jets and everything. One dip in the hellfire, it would cause you to forget all of those luxuries. In the narration it mentions, he will say, it is as though I had no luxuries. What luxuries? One dipping in the fire, it's gone. <coughs> and he mentions in the same narration, a person in this world, a believer lived in absolute poverty, difficulty, hardship, poverty, no food. For his children himself, Clothing, warmth, housing, poverty all his life, hardship all his life. He is dipped into paradise, not left there, just dipped in and out. From that one dipping in paradise, he forgets all of the difficulties of this world. What difficulties? Just a dip into paradise and out. Such is the blessing of paradise, and such is the hardship and the punishment of hellfire. So an individual needs to recognize... (coughs) <coughs> How to keep himself balanced between fear and hope with all of your activities. You don't go to extremes and I decide. Then al Imam al Tahawi says, al-Abd min al Iman Illa fi." that a believer is not exited from Iman except by rejecting that which entered him into iman, what has entered you into iman? Your belief upon Tawheed, the shahadatain la ilaha illallah alhamdulillah, These are the core principles that you have entered into iman upon. A person does not exit from iman until or unless he rejects those very principles that he entered upon iman with. A person rejects the shahada now. Okay. Kafir rejects the shahada now, doesn't believe in la ilaha illallah anymore, believes in deities gods, rejects the shahada, okay. He has now exited because now he has rejected the very thing that entered him into iman. So he says a person, a servant doesn't exit from iman except by rejection of the very thing that entered him into iman in the first place. And this is really just to emphasize further the refutation upon the khawarij. Because as far as they are concerned, even if a person enters into iman, believes in the Shahada, obedience, worship, he goes and commits a major sin, drinks alcohol, steals, fornicates, for them, that's it. Forget about all his iman and everything he's upon. The fact that he may be a person of tawhid, everything he does it but he ended up weak and fell into sin of drinking alcohol or stealing or something, for them, he has now exited from the fold of iman and in the afterlife, if he doesn't repent, he'll be in the hellfire forever. Obviously incorrect. We say that person, what do we say? If he's done that, we say his iman decreases and he's a sinner now for doing it and if he doesn't repent, he may be punished for it, but we don't say that's it, he's become a kafir. That is the way of the Khawarij. The next section is a very important section and it is (coughs) along the lines of what we discussed before uh, when we discussed the topic of Iman. So you remember we were discussing the topic of Iman and in fact there was a homework that we set on that topic of Iman also. So this next chapter is the full details regarding the topic of Iman. What is the definition of Iman? What are the principles of Iman? And we began those last time. If you remember, we had one principle left. We had mentioned two, we had one left. We're going to do them all again in this chapter properly again anyway. What were the principles of Iman we had mentioned so far? Increase and decrease. Before that, Action. actions are from Iman. Then we had mentioned that it increases and decreases and the third principle yet to mention properly was the fact that believers all have different levels of Iman. That's what's going to come up in the next chapter properly. Al-Imam Al-Tahawi mentions it. Who's done the homework then? The homework was to find what? Increases and decreases. Who's done it? Hands up if you've done it. One, two, three, four, five. Go on and give us one answer. Um, An example Iman decreased is it's the it says the sort of Adam says we created you then we shaped you and then we said to the angels prostrate yourselves before Adam and they all prostrate prostrated themselves except so for example Iman obviously decreased because he didn't carry out the action of prostration through his I suppose you could mention that. But it shows that Iblis, all of his iman, he now went on to kufr. That's like disappearing, turned to kufr. What about examples where it talks about believers and it just going down? Still there, but going down. Any other examples? You had your hand up? What was your answer? You forgot? Huh? Yeah. No, It's talking about the kuffar. That ayah is about the kuffar. Yeah, but because before that it mentions about the. the uh, i read the whole thing. But that ayah there is talking about the, the kuffar in their hearts, the rich in their hearts, and yeah. then more upon that. But we need examples of believers, mu'minun, their iman going up and down. What did you have? Uh, could one be What, where, what? I mean, the evidence. The homework was to give <laughs> the evidence. Uh, where Allah says, um, "Show <coughs> uh, me how you bring the death up to life. And mm-hmm. Allah says, do you not believe? Ibrahim al-Islam responds, of course, but simply so my heart can be in greater contentment. Greater contentment? Yeah, contentment. So what, are you saying that means iman or what? The uh, ayah says greater contentment. <laughs> not sure. Not sure alright we well got an extra week next week we're going to do the chapter properly next week we're going to do the chapter properly I'll oh, go on here. Yeah. <laughs> there's one clear answer everybody else has tried to give some more complicated answers that's a clear answer again and that is the reference number right at the beginning That's a clear example. When the ayat of Allah are recited upon them, it increases them in iman. Clear ayah in the Quran. Allah telling you that their iman increases. That's the type of examples we want. Your answer is correct, but we'll come to it next week. So, you got another chance. One more week, look carefully into the issue of iman increasing and decreasing. Look into this topic, do some research, it's available. Many English articles translated everything now. Look into the topic of iman increasing and decreasing and we'll discuss that in the chapter properly next week insha'Allah. Any other questions or anything before we round off? Alright, next week then insha'Allah at 7pm. Insha'Allah.